there's a there's a few passages of scripture I want to want to read um, that go along with the idea of singing in eternity. Um, one of one of the lines that's always stood out to me and a hymn that's sung virtually everywhere around the world is a, a line in the song Amazing Grace. Um, you guys know how the, the first stanza start, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But then there's a, a, a point in one of the next stanzas that says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. We could never exhaust God's glory or describe how great he is if we sang for all of eternity. Uh, 10,000 years and even beyond. Just We wouldn't be able to do his glory justice. I had a professor at seminary named Steve Wilkes. And he would sing uh, Amazing Grace to the tune of House of the Rising Sun. If there's ever a song that needed redemption, it was House of the Rising Sun. So he, uh, he, he brought in those words, Amazing Grace. And uh, there were days, I mean... Seminary students, we always took everything too seriously anyway, so he'd come in with his guitar just singing, and I am talking, belting it out. I'll, uh, I'll spare you the gruesome details of that tonight, but it was just, it was refreshing to be able to sit there and think, okay, forever and eternity, we really will be singing the praises of the one who saved us, and he'll be worth it, and we'll enjoy every bit of it. With that in mind, um, I'm going to ask you to go to three different places in Scripture tonight. If you want to just listen, that's fine. If you want to turn there, I'll try to give you a, enough time to, to flip through the pages. The first is Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And in this passage, uh, Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, has a vision of the Lord seated upon his throne in heaven. And he sees seraphim, a couple of angelic beings, singing praises to the Lord. Just Try to picture this in your mind as you're reading it. If you're listening along, maybe you even want to close your eyes and try to, try to picture it in your mind. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two wings he covered his face. With two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. When we sing God's praise, oftentimes we find ourselves in this situation. We can't do anything but simply be undone before the Lord because He's holy and we're not. And when we see Him for who He is, we see ourselves for who we are. In fact, you'll notice with these seraphim, they had six wings. But the way that Isaiah gives the description of these seraphim isn't what at least I would first think. If I had wings, I'd want to fly, right? 
But the first two wings he mentions that they cover their face with these wings. And they cover their feet with the next set of wings. And then they fly to serve the Lord with their third set of wings. It's almost like Isaiah is saying God is so holy that even these angelic beings with six wings have to cover themselves at his glory. And all we can do is say, woe is me, I am undone. And then the Lord brings to Isaiah a coal from the altar. Uh, Now, just picture this in your mind. It's not so much that the fire purged any uncleanness from his tongue. It's that the blood of sacrifice had dripped upon that coal, and the blood of sacrifice had taken his sin away. This is what Jesus does for us. He takes away our sin. He died on the cross for our sin. His blood was shed to cover it. And then over in Revelation chapter 4, this is another passage when the apostle John sees a a, a vision in heaven of beings, angelic beings, crying out praises to the Lord. Revelation chapter 4, and we'll we'll start reading verse 1. And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had the face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Here we see more beings in heaven, angelic beings, first of all, singing God's praises. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And upon this singing, it's not Isaiah the prophet who is pictured as coming before the Lord, but rather the 24 elders, and they fall down and worship. These elders are rulers and leaders in God's kingdom, yet they take off the crowns from their heads and they cast them before the feet of the one on the throne, and they begin singing, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. And this has kind of caused me to think, what would our song be like in heaven? I mean, you know, the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6 get to sing, Holy, holy, holy. 
the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The, uh, the creatures, the four living creatures in Revelation chapter 4 get to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. The elders, the 24 elders, fall down. They cast their crowns before the Lord and they sing a song of worthy praise to the Lord. So here's the last passage I'm going to ask you to turn to. And here's what I think at least will be the general content of the song we'll sing. It's Revelation 19. Uh, this is often called the fourfold hallelujah. You'll hear the word hallelujah four times in verses 1 through 6. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, by the way. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. In other words, this is hallelujah. Justice is finally being done. God has judged the wicked. God has set right what was wrong. Second, and a second time they said, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. God is even more just. He has prevailed over our enemies. He has struck down the beast, the great harlot, and all those who would have led God's people astray. Verse 4, And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. Wouldn't it be awesome to hear the angels say amen to the songs of praise we're singing to the Father and to Jesus? on his throne and a voice came from the throne saying give praise to our God all you his bondservants you who fear him the small and the great then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying hallelujah for the Lord our God the almighty reigns I'm ready to hear that are you? Dr. Wilkes, my seminary professor I mentioned to you earlier, would come around with that guitar and he would start singing Amazing Grace to House of the Rising Sun. But he would change the lyrics in one little part of the song. Instead of singing when we've been there 10,000 years, it was Dr. Wilkes and he was always over the top and he was always loud and he was always crazy. He wouldn't just sing, he would yell with everything that was in him. I wish I could do it, but I can't. It'll scare you. It'll make you have nightmares. But he would sing this. When we've been there 10 billion years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And then, because he hadn't sang it loud enough, and because he hadn't exhausted the grace of God, when we've been there forever, he'd start yelling out and singing again. Bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. What we get to do when we sing and worship and praise the Lord here at church or at a, at a Christian concert even, or maybe you're just singing in the shower when you get up in the mornings and blessing everybody in your house, what we're getting to do is taste a little glimpse of heaven. 
Um, it's not going to be a boring worship service where we sit down and have to sing songs we don't like. It's going to be a time where we're giving God honor and praise and the glory that is due Him. And we're going to love every single moment of it. And it's going to be unlike anything we've ever witnessed or experienced before. When you come to worship at First Baptist Church in Walnut Ridge, I don't want you to just have this picture in your mind of people sitting in pews and looking at a screen or looking at their hymnals and singing words off of a page. I want you to picture the redeemed of all of the ages gathered around God's throne, singing praises to the one who gave his son for us, to the lamb who was slain, to the lion of Judah who has roared because the grave is empty and he lives. This is what it is to sing God's praises. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for loving us. I pray that you would be with us as we continue to worship you in each and every aspect of our lives. God, specifically when it comes to singing your praise, Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would have in mind the idea of standing before you, perhaps even falling on our face because we know how unworthy you are, we are and how holy you are. God, I pray that you would forever help us to have this attitude and mentality of singing your praise forever. Your grace, your goodness, your mercy, and your love are inexhaustible. We could never tell you thank you enough, and we could never sing how great you are. So God, as we try to, as we attempt, help us to see you for who you are. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.